Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. So, I'm always wondering, how is it that a Jewish carpenter that lived in the armpit of the Roman Empire, uh, a little place called Judea, how is it that this person who was crucified by Rome, and a lot of people were crucified by Rome, how is it that we even know his name? How do we even know the name Jesus? How is it that we even know the story? Roman historians didn't write about him. Jewish historians didn't write about him. And yet, we have four accounts of his life. How is it that you and I know so much? It's simple. Something happened, something actually occurred that launched an unstoppable movement, and you and I are here today because of what happened. It launched this unstoppable movement called the church, what you and I, what what is more appropriately called the ecclesia or the assembly. And that began with a handful of eyewitnesses to Jesus' crucifixion and then to his resurrection. And these 100 or so 20, uh, 120 or so eyewitnesses of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, when they saw him alive, they began to boldly proclaim that Jesus is the Christ or the Savior, that he's the risen from the dead Son of God. And Luke tells us something. Luke tells us that that Peter gets up, one of his followers, gets up and and teaches or preaches about Jesus. And on that day, 3,000 people, they heard the message and responded to the message, and they embraced Jesus as their Savior. And so on that day, this ecclesia, what we call the church, it was launched. And then those transformed people, they went out, and they began to spread the good news about Jesus. The church the ecclesia, the assembly was this unstoppable movement of God. It was this unstoppable movement in which they went out and shared a very simple message. They told people, Jesus has risen from the dead. He is who he said he was, the son of God, the savior of the world. And if you will submit to his lordship, And ask him for forgiveness of your sins. He will come into your life. He will save you. He'll forgive you of your sins. And he'll give you the gift of eternal life. And so that's what they did. They began spreading this good news. And it was a totally outward-focused movement. Let me say that again. In the beginning, the church was a totally outward-focused movement. But what happened? Over time... This outward focus movement that was about making disciples, this outward focus movement, it began to turn inward. In fact, the gravitational pull of any church, of any local church, is always towards the insider, unless there's intentionality. And whether it's you know church politics, whether it's a church split, or whether there's a bunch of drama in a church or people getting hurt in a church, whatever it is, there are people who will say, you know what, forget it. I don't want to have anything to do with church. And some even say, I don't want to have anything to do with God. In fact, my non-believing friends, man, they're nicer than people in a church. So I'm, I'm done. I'm not spending any more time. I'm not investing any more time 
in the church. And some of you, you know people like that, don't you? Maybe some of you are currently feeling that way. Or you were that person. And I get it. I totally understand it. But you need to understand, when you and I read the book of Acts, I hope you're reading the book of Acts right now and you're going through it on multiple times. When we look at the book of Acts, man, the early church, they were different. They were on mission. And that meant something. It meant they loved each other and they shared with each other and they took care of each other and they purposefully reached out to others to invite them to know Jesus and to join them. And because they were on mission and because they were doing that, the church was amazing and it was incredible and consequently the church grew and grew and grew and it grew rapidly. But when churches transition from being outsider-focused and outsider-oriented to focusing inward, when they make that transition, some creepy things start happening. The church gets judgmental. The church uh, looks down upon people. And because of that, people have been burned by the church, and people are anti-church. But what if? What if you and I took intentional efforts individually and then corporately as a church, to make sure that we're intentional, that we don't turn inward, but that we would intentionally be and also create an ecclesia, a gathering, a church where people who aren't church or have used to go to church, that they actually want to come and be a part of. What if that was us? What if people could come here and say, man, I I've been invited and I'm listening. I'm not sure I believe that stuff yet, but man, the people seem different than what I thought they would be. Man, I I, I don't know if I I agree with that yet, but I find myself walking away saying, I think that was good for me and my family. What if somebody could come and, and, and explore faith and explore God and explore Jesus and they're not, they don't walk away feeling judged by everybody in the room but they can take that journey towards God on their timing. I suspect that that is more in line with the heart of God than what we see in a lot of churches today. Jesus told you and I to go, to make disciples. In other words, the church must always strive to be outsider-oriented. We must always strive to intentionally influence our world for Jesus, as we said in our last series. When we do that, that's when we thrive. That's when we thrive as individuals. That's when we thrive as a church. And that is when the church gets dynamic. That's when the church is in, and the reason is because it's in line with the heart of God. And it really does make it fun and exhilarating. And miraculous, it's incredible to be a part of a church that is, looks like that. Now, one of the primary ways that you and I can know that we're that type of church, one of the primary ways you and I can know whether we're a church on mission and we're going about God's work, that we're, in, we're on track with the heart of God, one of the primary ways we know is how a church prays. Everybody say pray. pray. It's how we pray. In fact, how people pray indicate whether, indicates whether or not we have strayed. How a church prays indicates whether or not a church has strayed from the mission that Jesus gave us. 
How you pray, how I pray indicates whether or not we have strayed from Jesus' commandment to go make disciples, whether we've strayed from his commission that he has put upon all of us. Now, for the most part, I know how most American Christians pray. There are exceptions, but for the most part, I know how we pray. We pray for ourselves, pray for our family, and maybe a couple other people from time to time. I mean, come on, be real. Isn't that true? We typically pray for ourselves, maybe our family, and maybe somebody else. And sometimes the things we pray for ourselves are actually pretty absurd, if you really begin to think about it. Now, I'm not saying to stop praying for the things we're praying about, but I I suspect that a lot of what we pray for, it doesn't really, you know, like tax God's energy, so to speak, right? I mean, we're praying for things. We're saying, God, you know, Lord, give me a safe trip. And God's thinking, okay, sure, but how about you put your seatbelt on and drive the speed limit? (laughs) Or we pray, God, thank you for this day, and and it's good to be thankful. And and God's saying, okay, I appreciate that you're thankful, but how about you pray for something bigger? How about you pray for something bolder? How about you ask me for something important? I'm God. Come to me. Give me something big where you actually really, truly need me involved. Again, I'm not saying we don't pray for safe trips and be thankful for the day God's given us. But what I find is that a lot of our prayers that we pray mostly center on ourselves, on us. In fact, let me just ask you to do this in your brain, scan your brain, all the things you've been praying about over the last year. Okay, just just think about what you've been praying about the the last year. If you have kind of an image in your mind, maybe you have a prayer list of everything that you've prayed about for for the most part over the last year, if God answered all those prayers, what would be different? What would be different and who would be impacted? My guess is that the person that would benefit the most from your prayers is you. I'm that's my guess or maybe a family member. If God had answered all your prayers this last year, you would be better off. Now, I don't think you should stop praying for that, some of that stuff, but here's my concern. My concern is when we are predominantly praying self-focused or self-centered prayers, so, so to speak, after a while, we're going to act like self-centered Christians. Let me say that again to get above the sneeze. God bless you. And God bless you, wherever that came from. If we're praying self-centered prayers after a while, those self-centered prayers accidentally cause us to be self-centered Christians. It's not on purpose. It's just what ends up happening. Our prayers, your prayer, my prayer, indicates how on par we are with Jesus and his mission for us. They indicate on how on par we are or how far we are from Jesus' mission, how far we've strayed from his mission for us to go and make disciples. Here's what I suspect about you. You want your life to count. You want your life to matter. You want to be a part of something. That's almost like human nature inside of us. We want to know that our, our life counts and matters. 
that you want to even be a part of something bigger than yourself. And if that's you and you say, yes, that's me, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself, and I want my life to count and matter, if so, then make sure you are praying big and bold prayers every day that are in line with the heart of God for people. And when you pray that way, that is an unstoppable prayer because that's a prayer that God wants to answer. Luke tells us that's what the early church did, that they prayed these big prayers, these bold prayers, these on-mission prayers, and their prayers were unstoppable because they were the exact type of prayers that God wants to act and move upon and respond to. We see how the early believers prayed in Acts chapter 4. I'm going to ask that you turn there now if you have a physical Bible, Acts chapter 4. If you don't, go onto your phone. The the YouVersion Bible app is always a great place to go. Our notes are in there usually, though I heard they may accidentally not be there today. Um, But you can go on the YouVersion Bible app, Acts chapter 4. Let me kind of set this up for us. So Jesus dies. He's resurrected. Uh, You have about 120 disciples. And on Pentecost, Peter gets up, preaches a sermon there in the temple, and about 3,000 people respond to the message of Jesus, that Jesus is the risen from the dead Son of God. And and they respond, and when they responded, um, they were now part of this new group of people, this ecclesia. Later, Peter and John heal a guy in the temple. It's a guy who couldn't walk, and now he can walk. People in the temple, they're curious about what was going on and how do they do that and where they get the power. And so Jesus, or Peter gets up and he proclaims to them and he talks about what, what, was, what it was all about and where they got the power and it was all about Jesus. And, and they say it all in the name of Jesus and because of his resurrection. And as a result of that, it tells us in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, it tells us the church, when they re- people responded to his message, now you have over 5,000 men who are a part of this gathering, this church, this ecclesia, this assembly, which means that the church, if that's 5,000 men, then that means that the church is probably 10, 15, 20, 25,000 people at this point. And so you have this incredible gathering of people. And with so many people in Jerusalem turning their attention towards the risen from the dead, Jesus, the people in charge say this is a problem. And so they arrest Peter and John. The next morning... They, they, these leaders bring Peter in, and he launches into another talk about Jesus being the risen from the dead Son of God. And he concludes in this talk in front of the leaders, the religious leaders, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He says this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name, he's talking about Jesus, under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now, that's pretty narrow, isn't it? And some people will look at that and say, like, hey, Peter, how about you tone it down a little bit? Hey, Peter, how about, you know, focusing on how Jesus is a good guy, like Moses was and Abraham, and and how about you focus on Jesus, you know, when he talks about love and loving people, and maybe how about you focus on, you know, the Beatitudes, the most amazing teaching in the history of the world. I mean, you spent the night in jail for saying that kind of stuff about Jesus being the only way to be saved. But Peter had been transformed by a resurrected Jesus. He wasn't the same. As we sang in that song, that he's been changed. Because of Jesus. And that's why we thank God. 
And so, Jesus, and so Peter had been changed, and so he boldly declares to his captors, salvation comes to you only when you embrace Jesus, for there's no other name under heaven by which you and I can be saved. Of course, that ticks off the leaders. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 14, they had a little quandary. It says, since they could see the man who had been healed, the guy who couldn't walk, and now he can walk. Since they could see, and, and the Bible tells us in this passage that everybody was praising God because of this guy being healed, and, and it's all because of Jesus. Since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. In other words, they can't exactly punish these people because the evidence is right in front of them of somebody who's been healed. I mean, this guy, his entire life was a sitter, sitter. And now he's a stander. His whole life, been sitting. Now he's been standing for two days. They're like, hey, what's the deal? He's like, I was a sitter, but now I'm a stander. So the leaders say to Peter and John, look, we're going to let you go. But you cannot speak or teach in the name of Jesus anymore. You can speak, you can talk all you want, you can share good, you know, good ethical things all you want. But don't do any of it in the name of Jesus. And don't talk about the resurrection. Peter now, keep in mind, he had just spent the night in jail. He says to them in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, he says, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. I mean, they just spent the night in jail, and now he, they tell him, just, just stop talking in the name of Jesus. He said, well, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. I mean, you talk about bold. You talk about gutsy. The leaders threaten them even more, and then they release them. Peter and John then, they leave, and they go find the ecclesia, the gathering, the church. And they get together with them. Everybody breathes a sigh of relief. And then Luke, in the, gospel, or the book of Acts, tells us how they then pray. Because they all now pray. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment, how would you pray in this moment? So let's keep a few things in mind. It's a brand new church, okay? Brand new church. It was 120, then it was 3,000, then it was, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25,000 people. You're a brand new church. You almost the night before lost your senior pastor and your executive pastor. Okay, you almost lost them. They spent the night in jail. Thankfully, they weren't crucified like Jesus. So how would you pray in this situation? And by the way, I know how you would pray, or the majority of people who would pray who are Americans. We would kick off somewhere along the lines and ask and pray for protection. God, bless us and keep us safe. And I get it. No one wants to feel unsafe. I, I saw a shirt recently that said, feeling safe is a human right. So I understand that idea that we want to feel safe. American Christians, we're all about that, praying for safety and protections. That's just how we think. God, keep us safe. Our prayers center around safety and protection. Think about it. In fact, I can picture us saying something like this. Okay, before we pray, here's what we got to do. We got we to we gotta change some things. We got to change some of our practices. First, Peter and John, no more traveling together because we need to separate you two. If something happens to one of you, we still need to have one of you. Okay, so no more traveling together. Second, 
We need to get a whole bunch of, you know, black suburbans and some security people and make sure we're good and we're taken care of and we're protected. You guys are way too important. Third, you guys need to tone down the rhetoric. Bring it down a notch. Peter, no more using the R word. What's the R word? Resurrection. Peter, no more of that. Talk about how God loves us. Focus on the love of God. Let's lay low for a while, and please, 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 Peter, no more of this. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved but Jesus. Leave that out. It triggers people. Leave it off. Tone it down. That's how we think, if we're honest. Be careful. Play it safe. Don't say something that's going to be offensive or controversial but that's not how they prayed. They prayed a different prayer than what I suspect most of us would pray. Their prayers weren't self-centered. They weren't self-focused. In fact, they weren't praying for safety. They weren't praying a passive prayer. In fact, they prayed the exact type of prayer that God answers. They pray the exact type of prayer that God answers. It was an unstoppable prayer. So let's check it out. Acts chapter 4, verse 24, it says this. It says, when they, this gathering, this assembly of thousands and thousands of believers, when they heard this, and this was the report that Peter and John just shared about them being in jail and healing the guy and all of this and and how they told them they can't talk about Jesus anymore. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And here's what they said. Sovereign Lord. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In other words, they kicked off their prayer, not asking for something, not uh, looking for something. They started off recognizing, I know, I realize that God, you are God and I'm not. And I recognize that you're sovereign. You're the Lord. You've created everything. In other words, I recognize You're in control, I'm not. So much so that they go on in the next couple of verses and they acknowledge that God even predicted that Jesus would suffer, that the Messiah would suffer. Acts chapter 4, verse 28, they said, God decided beforehand that it should happen. In other words, these early believers... Their situation, their leaders getting arrested, their, the, the, the one they followed had been crucified, and the church is growing, and now you have the religious leaders on your back and, and drawing attention to you. They're, they didn't look at that and go, uh-oh, everything's spiraling out of control. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Uh-oh, this could be the end of our movement. That's not how they thought. They knew God was in control. No matter what the circumstances look like, in fact, God even predicted some of it would happen. Remember, what did Jesus predict about you and I? Those who live a godly life will be safe. Does anybody know that scripture? That's 1 Opinions chapter 1, verse 2. Those who want to live a godly life, the Bible says, will be persecuted. They're going to hate you. Why? Jesus said, because they hated him first. So whatever's happening, it isn't life spiraling out of control. It means we might be on mission. 
and focus on what Jesus has called us to do and be and live when we suffer and when we're persecuted. God decided beforehand that it should happen. And then comes their prayer requests. They understand who they are. They understand who God is. And then here's what they ask for. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and keep us safe. My bad. My bad. Consider their threats and what? And enable your servants to speak your word with great, let's all say it together. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Okay, time out, time out. Isn't boldness the problem? Isn't boldness what got them in the situation in the first place? Isn't boldness what landed Peter and John in jail? Boldness is what created the antagonism between the leaders and these believers. From our 21st century perspective, looking back, these guys are already bold. They spoke up. They declared God's truth. And what did it get them? It got them arrested. They spent a night in jail. I mean, they're already bold. Isn't boldness the problem? Boldness is only the problem if your primary objective is safety and security. That's the only time boldness is a problem. So I just want to ask you a question. Do you pray for boldness? Is that even in your prayer vocabulary? That you pray for boldness? That God would move and God would act. That God would give you the boldness to speak his word. That God would give you boldness to represent him in your workplace, with your friends, with those you have influence with. That God would give you boldness to speak God's word in truth and in love. One of the biggest reasons the message of Jesus got out of the first century and made it all the way to this 21st century is because they prayed for boldness. God answered their prayers because that's the type of prayer that God answers. That's an unstoppable prayer. They just weren't praying for safety and protection and for a good day and for God to bless their foods and their body. They were praying, God, move and act and give us boldness to speak the name of Jesus, to speak the story of Jesus, to speak the truth of God. What about you? Is that part of your prayer life? Well, they didn't stop there. They prayed for boldness and for something even more extreme. Let's check this out. Acts chapter 4, verse 30. God, also stretch out your hand to heal. Everybody say heal. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They prayed for signs and wonders. Have you ever prayed for that? I mean, really? Have you prayed for God? Hey, God, I want to see you do signs and wonders. Who here is full of faith enough to pray for boldness, to pray for signs, to pray for wonders in the name of Jesus? Far too many of us sitting here right now and in churches across America and even the world, far too many of us miss out on the power of God because we are not bold enough in our prayers. And God is calling you and I to step out and to step up and to step in and to be bold and to pray for boldness and have the faith to believe that God will move and God will act and he will heal and he'll perform signs and wonders. So what if you begin to pray your version of this prayer? God, would you stretch out your hand? And God, would you do something so that my unbelieving friends 
God, would you do something among my non-Christian friends, among my friends that have been burned by religion? God, would you do something among my friends that, that I'm not smart enough to convince them with my words? I'm not eloquent enough to share. They're so smart, and I'm not. God, would you do something in their life that, that I can't do on my own? God, would you be willing to stretch out your hand? And God, do something unusual in their life. God, would you be willing to stretch out your hand and do something special in their life? God, would you be willing to stretch out your hand and do something miraculous in their life? God, give me boldness to see the opportunities and take advantage of the opportunities. God, I'm not a naturally bold person, so God, give me boldness. God, stretch out your hand so that the people in my sphere of influence can come to know you as their Lord and Savior. God, use me to advance your cause of seeking and saving the lost. If you begin to pray this way, I'm going to tell you what will happen. When you and I begin to pray, God, give me boldness. God, give me opportunities. God, stretch out your hand. God, heal. God, perform miracles and signs and wonders. When you begin to pray that way and do it faithfully, you will begin to see God work in ways in your life that you have never seen him work before. Miraculous ways. Why? Because that's when God shows up. That's when God answers prayers. Those are unstoppable prayers. They're on mission prayers. They're centered prayers that God wants us to pray. God doesn't need to show up for a God bless this food to my body type prayer. He just doesn't. You can ask God to bless your food that contains high fructose corn syrup. You can ask God to bless your food that contains isomaltooligosaccharides and hydrogenated starch hydrosylates. And you can ask God to bless, bless your food that contains sodium benzoate and red dye number 40. But God's saying, well, just eat better and your body will be blessed. God's saying, what can I really help you with? What can I really help you with? Because I want to answer prayers of those who are praying for boldness. I want to answer prayers where you're realizing that I'm sovereign, you're not, and you need me to move and act. And I want to pray, answer prayers for those who are asking for the miraculous and for signs and for wonders. God says, I'll work then, and I'll move and I'll act. How do I know God answers that prayer? How do I know that's an unstoppable prayer? Because that's what the Bible says, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they play, prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. God was giving them a sign. I don't know what exactly what that was, but I'm just going to take it at face value. The place was shaken. And God was affirming their prayer for boldness and affirming their heart's desire to be on mission, to make disciples. And it tells us they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Everybody shout, boldly. Boldly. My hope and my prayer is that you and I, we will be a church, the ecclesia of God, the assembly of God, who prays for big, bold, God, we need you to show up type prayers. That's what God's calling us to. Here's the reality, the way you and I pray. It indicates where our heart is. It indicates if our heart 
has strayed from God's heart or if we're on par with God's heart. How you pray is an indication of whether or not you're pursuing God's mission with your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your community, or if you just focus on yourself. So I just challenge you. God challenges you. Pray bold prayers. God, make me bold. Give me boldness. God, stretch out your hand to do signs and wonders in my life and in the life of those around that I have influence with. And God answers those because they're just unstoppable prayers because they're in line with the heart of God. So here's what we're going to do. As we wrap it up, in a moment, I'm going to have us all stand. And we're going to all stand, and we're going to pray the prayer that they prayed. And we're going to do it twice, first to kind of familiarize ourselves, and then we're going to kind of, once it's in our head, then we're going to get it into our heart, and we're going to pray it together. And I just want you to hear this. You and I are here today because of those first century believers' bold prayers. I'm not so sure if some of our prayers of the 21st century, if we were there in the first century, I don't know if the church would have got out of the first century. So, man, I'm grateful for them and their boldness that they prayed for. We're in the United States, and, and we have a lot of freedoms in this country, and it's incredible to live here. But we're starting to see signs more and more of becoming a persecuted church. We're far from it relative to the rest of the world. Okay, keep things in perspective. But we're seeing it more more and more. (coughs) So I just think it's time. I really do. I think it's time to stop praying and focusing on safety and protection. And that's great. We can pray that. But I think it's time to shift our focus. And shift our focus to boldness. Because God's giving you and I the opportunity. Each and every day, cultures coming at us in ways we just haven't seen in previous generations. So pray for boldness. Pray for God to move and to heal and to do miracles so we can continue to be a part of the church that, that is the church that will set us up for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Those are unstoppable prayers. So would you stand with me? We're going to all read this together. We don't normally do church readings together, so we'll do our best to sync up our voices. But regardless, let's pray it. Let's pray it so our heart and mind grabs it. So let's do it together for the first time. So here we go. One, two, three. God, enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. All right. Now I want you to just look at it and say it again. So right now, quietly, in your head, you and God kind of absorb this. Let's do it together quietly for a moment. Okay. One more time out loud. This is what the first church prayed. Man, if I want to pray any prayer, I want to pray what they were praying. It's in the Bible. And so if it made it into the Bible, this must be important. This is, this is something, this is the heart of God. So now that you have it in your head, in your heart, let's lift it up as the body of Christ. One, two, three. God, enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. And all God's people declared, amen, amen. I was kind of hoping the place would be shaken. 
I got one more service. (laughs) Worship team, will you guys come on out? My hope and my prayer for you is that you join our brothers and sisters from 2,000 years ago and make this be your prayer. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.